Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. So we're continuing our worship series, exploring beautiful and inspiring relationships of the Bible. Perhaps it's fitting as all of creation seems to be blooming and opening up and responding to the change in the seasons, that we take a moment to appreciate what the Bible reveals about beauty that can bloom. And so today we are focusing on a couple who are not exactly in the scripture the same way. So up here on the altar, you'll see I have Jonathan who appears in name only in our text. And David is down here. Jonathan has unfortunately died. He has passed away by the time our text is read. And that is because in the account of Samuel, which we have broken down for manageability into first and second Samuel, it is actually one collection of stories. And it tells us of many of the struggles of the first kings, David being the second. And Saul, his predecessor, had a number of sons, had three of them. And those sons had risen to the age where upon Saul's demise, one of them would have ascended to the throne. However, something tragic happened. As was part of the daily struggle back in those days, they had a neighboring nation, a neighboring people, who were hostile toward them. And so they often found themselves battling their neighbors, the Philistines. And of course, some of you may recognize the Philistines from all the way back in the book of Judges. Uh, Judge Samson spent a lot of time in his ministry engaging with the Philistines. And even at this point in the monarchy, they are still a source of trouble and discouragement for the people of Israel. And so it was that the nation of Israel had gone out with their army to battle against the Philistines, led by their king Saul. And Saul took his three sons, all of whom, like Saul, had been soldiers. All of them had risen through the ranks and had become leaders within the military. And then something horrible happened. They all died. All three of Saul's sons passed away in the midst of the battle. And then Saul himself was killed. And then David received the kingdom. And when David did that, all of this happens at the very end of 1 Samuel chapter 31. But then when David came into power, he has an opportunity to do something that very few people in human history would have done. He has the opportunity to bless a member of the family that was in competition for the throne. So even though David sat on the throne, it was quite possible that someone, one of his political rivals, could find a family member that was related to Saul and resurrect their ability to be on the throne. And yet David has an entirely different reason for doing what he does. David had a relationship with Jonathan that could be described as nothing less than the very best of friends. As many of us have had a friend that was so close to us, so impactful, that we might refer to them as our best friend. And that is how David and Jonathan were. They were so close and also so faithful to God that they made covenant 
with one another, that no matter what happened between them, they would continue to be faithful to their relationship of friendship, that they would strive to overcome disagreements and obstacles, and that they would care for one another all of their days. And as they did that, it was a revelation of how important they had become to one another, that their friendship wasn't just something that brought them joy, it brought them purpose and identity. And they believed so deeply in one another that they would be willing to make a lifelong vow. But then tragedy struck, and David lost his beloved Jonathan. And with the death of his friend, David could have simply tried to move on. He could have focused on his duties as the king. But David could never forget Jonathan. Not even death could deprive him of a desire to be in relationship with his friend Jonathan. And so we get to glimpse as he calls forth one of the chief servants of the palace, Ziba, who had served Saul and knew all of the family. And so he says to him, is there anyone who is related to Saul that I could show the kindness of God? He is saying in those words, I want to bless someone in accordance with the very same covenant Jonathan and I gave to one another before our God. I want to honor the legacy of Jonathan in sharing and blessing and loving another in his family. And ironically, Ziba knows precisely who is left. Enter in Mephibosheth. He is an intriguing character in our story because under the Israelite law, he had found himself disabled. He was not born that way. The backstory further along in the book of Samuel tells us that he had suffered a tragedy. At one point when a foreign army was laying siege to Jerusalem, they cleared out the family of Saul. And so as they were fleeing the city, there was a tragic accident. And the nurse that was responsible for Mephibosheth had either tripped and fallen upon him or had managed to drop him in the fleeing, in the flight. And he was damaged in his legs and his feet. And because of this, he would never be allowed to take the throne. It was the belief back then that your king also had to be your military leader. He had to be able-bodied, if you will. And there was the belief that they must be in perfect physical condition. And so they did not appreciate that despite something that had happened that was not his fault, Mephibosheth would never be allowed to ascend to the throne that belonged to his grandfather and that was meant to belong to his father. And most Human history tells us that someone in King David's position is more likely to eliminate potential rivals to the throne than to bless them. But David sets an incredible standard. He chooses to not only take care of Mephibosheth, who is not able to work in a physically demanding way and who might have suffered and languished. Instead, David declares, I will bring him here. And I will restore to him everything that was his by birthright. All of the land, all of the wealth, all of that I will give back to him and to his family. And then David does something truly astounding. He gives Mephibosheth a place at his table, which means that where his children eat, his heirs to the throne, there Mephibosheth will dine. And he will be present and take part in their family rituals and conversations. He is not only given a secure, stable place to find excellent food for who eats better than the king, but he has been given an adoption 
He is not just an honorary guest at the table. He is now being treated as if he himself were one of David's sons. Because David believes that my love for Jonathan has to manifest itself in a way that reveals how much he meant to me. And if I can bless his son, then I am paying homage to someone that I still love and someone that I still mourn. And that's precisely what David does. Can you imagine the conversations that must have happened at that table? There's a lot of void about the interpersonal relationships in the scriptures. We get these kind of rough sketches of how people interact, but we don't often have them fleshed out with detailed conversation or with the intimate narration that might go along that what we would desire to know. But can you imagine all the times that they were gathered at the table and David was able to tell the stories of his best friend? Mephibosheth, let me tell you about the covenant that your father and I made and how he made me feel and how much I loved him. Let me tell you about the time that your grandfather actually wanted to hunt me down and have me killed. But your father stood up for me and he saved me and he allowed me to flee so that I could live today. Imagine him telling the story about how his grandfather had once been very rash with a vow and it would have caused great suffering and perhaps even death to Jonathan. But Jonathan was so well respected and beloved by the army, by the military and his fellow soldiers that they stood up before Saul and refused to let anything bad happen to Jonathan. Because David was willing to establish a new relationship with Mephibosheth, it meant that Mephibosheth would get to know his father, would get to through these stories and this relationship that David was fostering with him, get to glimpse some of the glory that was his father that was taken away from him when he was just a young child. And the story tells us, you might wonder about all the dialogue between the king and the servant, and then later on kind of the perfunctory dialogue between David and Mephibosheth. Perhaps you noticed that the same way that Ziba addresses the king, Mephibosheth comes before him and addresses him as his servant. And David does not receive him as a servant. He receives him as a person of dignity, a person of value, what we as New Testament Christians would call a being beloved, of sacred worth. And that's precisely what David chooses to see when he looks at Mephibosheth. In those days, disability was looked at as a deficiency. It was looked at as not just less than, but perhaps a threat to what was healthy and wholesome. But David chooses to set a standard where Mephibosheth is no less than his very own prized children, one of whom will be their next king. And it's incredible to see that David has taken his loss, his pain, his suffering, and his mourning, and he has chosen to take all that he loved about his friend and establish a new relationship and bless another person motivated by that experience. And we are called to nothing less. All of us have probably experienced someone who loved us so deeply and we love them back. And we wanted to be with them forever. And maybe it was a family member, maybe it was a friend, maybe it was someone within our family of faith, the church, perhaps... We have lost them to death. 
Maybe we have been disconnected by distance, or maybe we have lost them to disagreement. And we could spend the rest of our lives mourning that, and certainly there is no filling in that void. We loved a person, we had an encounter, an experience, and a relationship with that person, and that is precious, and it doesn't get replaced. But there's an old hymn that talks about the wideness of God's love, and it reminds us that we can extend our hearts and love others, and it doesn't betray those that we have lost. David reveals to us that, in fact, it honors them. What more could Jonathan have asked for than to know that as he took his rest, that his son would be cared for, and not just his son, his grandson, that the family would continue, that his lineage would be possible because of a legacy of transformative relationship. We are given that same opportunity and that same gift. If you have lost someone, God knows the ache in your heart, the void that is gone. God knows you're longing to be with them again. And blessedly, as Christians, we believe that the day of resurrection will reunite us with those beloved people. But we are also reminded that there are many days ahead of us and that in that time, we can choose to do as David did. We can choose to love another and show them just how important the other was. Perhaps showing that the one who inspired us to knit together a new relationship and extend ourselves to a new way of being with another person will allow us to tell the stories like David did at the table for Jonathan. Perhaps it will give us an opportunity to talk about the ways in which the one that we have lost gave us so much. It'll be an opportunity to share the stories because we also believe that the day of resurrection doesn't just unite us with those that we have lost, but it unites those that we have joined with in the wake of that loss. Imagine entering into the kingdom to come to see not just those that have preceded us in death, but to introduce them to those that brought us comfort and purpose and joy until we could be reunited. Those that allowed us to bless them, to know them, and to give them a glimpse of how important the first was. That's precisely what David has given to us. This story is uncharacteristic for the scriptures. It seems kind of superfluous if you're reading to find out how the monarchy was established. In fact, if you were trying to trace the monarchy, you wouldn't want to tell this story because it lets you know that perhaps Mephibosheth could have been used to subvert and overthrow David. It would have been better to sweep it under the rug as if nothing had happened. But God, in infinite wisdom, has chosen to preserve this story and this relationship so that we would have it. And as those who are blessed with both the Old and the New Testament, what's incumbent upon us is to ask, why? Why is this story here? What does it have to say to us? How will it change us and inspire us to do better in our lives? And for those of us that know the pain of loss, it reminds us that we can still be very present and with another. 
and it doesn't destroy what we had with the first. And so our love is a way in which we live out the legacy of the relationships that we have had. It is a way to say, I was so blessed that now I want to bless another. It is the fulfillment of a God who is eternal. And it hasn't just give us enough love, but loves us abundantly so that we can do likewise. This is precisely what Jesus himself will later model for us when he is on the cross and dying. He wants his mother to know that even though he is leaving her in the form that she has known him, that it's okay to have a new relationship. And with his dying breath, he forges that relationship for her so that she wouldn't have to feel guilty, so that she could have a blessing even after he was gone. And if David can do that for the son of his best friend, and the grandson of his enemy. If Jesus can do that for his mother, surely we can be inspired to do the same. Today is a day where our nation is celebrating relationship. Today, many of us will go forth from here to celebrate Father's Day or to remember fathers who have gone before. But to frame it in the sense of what David does, David recognizes that just because death has robbed one of their father does not mean that God does not send a new person to nurture and guide and care. And David allowed himself to be an honorary and adoptive father to Mephibosheth. Today isn't just about men. Today is a day where we recognize that no matter our gender, that we have the opportunity to bless. And the challenge is there in the Old Testament and the New to take what we have been blessed with in our relationships and to give that to another, perhaps one who was robbed of a righteous relationship with their father, perhaps one who has never known their father and may never in this life, perhaps one who is not in right relationship because of pain and suffering that has happened. Maybe today is our opportunity and our challenge by the Holy Spirit to look for those who need a relationship that can show them forgiveness and grace, that can love them in and through all things, and be a living, breathing vessel of God's will and desire to lead them into the same kingdom to come that we cling to, because we who have known loss take our time to appreciate the hope of that reunion that will happen. Today is an opportunity. Today is a blessing. But what we do with this day in the days ahead will determine whether or not we have truly heard what David did for Mephibosheth, what David did for Jonathan, and what we have been encouraged and inspired to do for the rest of our days, until the day comes when there is no more death, there is no more distance, there is no more disagreement and destruction of relationship. Until then, we are those that can forge relationships that will help others endure. May it be so. 
In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.